Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined by a former undefeated British Cruiserweight champion, Richard Reakpour. Richard, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing, Danny? You right? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Very good, very good. Just coping. <laughs> I don't normally make notes for these Zoom call interviews. I usually rely on my knowledge, which is always a risky game anyway. But I haven't spoken to you since April, and it's only eight months. But loads has happened since then. And I've had to actually break the, the pattern and make some notes this time because there's so many things to talk to you about. Well, I want to start off with the change of trainer. And when it was first announced that both yourself and Dillian White would no longer be training with Mark Tibbs, were you out in Portugal yeah. with the guys or were you back here? I was back here. So I was when, in London. So when did you kind of make that decision that you would also be splitting or, or how did that all work out? Because you weren't over there with them. So basically, it came with a, a decision. I just I received an opportunity to train at the Loughborough Institution, and you know I thought it was perfect, perfect because I, I believe the best performances from Dillian were when he was based there, and I thought that would be good for me. I, I trained there when I was um, when I fought um, Crispin and Smith. Was that me or you? Uh, you just cut off on your side, but I still hear you. <laughs> one moment, one moment, oh, sorry. No worries. Okay. I'm back again. All right. So yeah. you're just saying about Loughborough, you um, had a great performance there, having trained there for Chris Billum-Smith. Yeah, so I trained there before. Uh, me and camp, uh, me and Dillian did a camp there um, when he was um, training for Parker, mm. and another camp um, when he was training for Lucas Brown. So I thought, you know what? Let me just, um, yeah, let me just take this opportunity and and train from up there and um, just utilize everything that they were offering in the institution. So with that decision, a lot had to change. I couldn't train, no longer train with Mark Tibbs, and Mark Tibbs had a lot on. You know, he was going back and forth to Portugal at the time. It was before um, Dillian actually made his decision. So after that, that's when I, you know, had a word with Mark, you know, and, you know, made sure everything was amicable, you know, and Angel was based up there. He had a project going up, um, going on there. So I thought it would make sense if I was to use him as a trainer. And that's when I just made my change. I came up with, you know, made my decision, which was really difficult for me, to be honest. Um, and then, you know, and now I, here I am, you know. It must have been a tough decision. You uh, you started your career, pro career, with Ted Bammy in the corner. But since linking up with Mark Tibbs, you'd won British title together, uh, WBA Intercontinental as well, and had that win over Billum Smith, which is a standout on your record as well. What, what was it that swung it? Was it the facilities at, at Loughborough more than anything or, or something new that Angel Fernandez could bring to your game? I think it was a mixture of both. Um, I feel the facilities, they were amazing. You're outside, out of mind. You have, um, you're much more fo focused because the environment is, is pretty much based and made up of athletes. You know, when you look out the window, you see athletes running everywhere. You see gold medalists and um Olympic medalists just running about and everybody's just on their A game 
and I kind of felt like I needed that environment. Too much distractions in London, a lot of friends calling you to come out when you're you're, you're supposed to be resting up. You know, you have the you have the female attention as well, and I thought it would it would make sense so for me to get the most out of my career. You know, these are the changes that I needed to make, and I had a conversation with a few people, and then I literally made my decision, just took action. That's why I moved out of London years ago as well. All the female attention, it was just too much in the end. <laughs> I was worn out. Couldn't get anything done. You must have, <laughs> you must have had a hard time. I'm, 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 I can empathise. I can relate. Um, Angel Fernandez, obviously known well for some of the work he's done, both in his own right and as an assistant trainer with Anthony Joshua in more recent times. What do you feel, yeah. early stages obviously, but what do you feel he's already bringing to your game? Um, just kind of just helped he's helped me a lot with my boxing IQ um, rhythm you know, just setting things up just overall boxing and, and technique and just just relaxing more you know just getting things it's just you know to be honest a lot of people think you know you know, it's all about working on these combinations and doing this and doing this slip and here and there but really it's just the simple things you know the simple things relaxing and just being able to perform under pressure and are you staying so up in Loughborough when you train with him, like for long periods of time, or are you commuting? How's that working? Yeah, so I'm I'm staying there and commuting. So I'm back and forth pretty much. But when I'm in camp, full camp, I'll be based up there and I wouldn't be moving up and down. And will there be opportunities, or maybe there already has been, to work up in Sheffield at the EIS as well when and Hell is drafted in to help Joshua? Yeah, so I've already got... Um, Anhill's already um, made, had conversations with Rob McCracken um, and has spoken to us about opportunities for me to be pretty much based up there. So I'll be back and forth because it's pretty close. So, yeah, it's perfect. Are you quite excited about that? Because obviously Loughborough itself is a world-class facility, but Sheffield is not only that, but you have some of the top amateur boxers in the world to work alongside also. Yeah, of course. You know, there's there's tons of fighters down there. Chevron Clark, you have um, um, Ben Whitaker, um, a few other guys that I don't know. And everybody, you know, these fighters are, are aspiring medalists for the 2021 Olympics. So, you know, they're going to be big names um, come next year, especially if they they medal. And I, I believe they will, you know, if they continue working hard. So, you know, I feel like it's a privilege for me as well to get down there. You know, I always wanted to to be an Olympian and win a, a gold medal. So uh, I'd, I'll take something out of it, kind of being there, being in the institution and sparring with all these guys, whatever we're working on. And all of the best fighters have been using this type of facility for, for a period of time. Carl Froch, um, one name to mention, Anthony Joshua, um, Wasi, all of them do their work up there. So I think that's perfect. That's perfect for me. And are you still in quite regular contact with Dillian, although you guys aren't training out at the same gym anymore? Yeah, yeah. So I was on the phone to him the other day, um, discussing, you know, next opponents and stuff. So, yeah, pretty much in contact. I plan to actually even go up to Portugal soon, but um, obviously when the time is right. But, um, yeah, I think I, I, I think I train better when, when it's hot. You know, this cold, you know, it's, it's kind of wanting me to kind of change change scenery but we'll just have to wait and see and on that note about next opponents we haven't seen you in the ring since the end of last year 
pandemic aside, that's obviously been an issue for everyone. But why have we not seen you back by now? Matchroom have put on quite a few shows. I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen you out. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty difficult. You know, we were trying to work and and stay on the uh, the right trajectory, and some of the fights that had been offered to us didn't really make sense for us career wise. So turn some down um, and we just we want to start working towards our goals I'm not getting any younger and I think it's a perfect time you know to start pushing it and taking up and much and plus we had the injury so that was one of the reasons one of the main reasons why I had been out for a long time but I feel like COVID kind of worked in my favour so everybody else returning to the ring has been out for pretty much over a year or a year around a year so that's pretty much me um, by the end of this month it'll be a year so I think um, it's perfect anyway it gave me a good good enough time for me to rest and recover and we've been working on different things especially with the change of coach and coaches so it's, it's it makes sense and in terms of kind of kicking on and moving towards a world title shot is that the main reason why you relinquished the British title not too long ago also yes exactly that and yeah, just we just wanted to start to push, push on to you know, you know, world title eliminators. Eddie Hearn was talking about it in his interview when he was trying to make the fight for the the twenty first of November. A lot of opponents got an offer, and they turned it down for one reason to um, to another. And but you know, we just kept our you know kept the faith. They're working on opponents for the Dillian White and Povietkin undercard as well. Uh, love, um, but you know, it's everybody wants everybody wants the bag. Everybody wants um, the cash, uh, and you know, some people just know that you know I'm a I'm a dangerous opponent. You know, you know I look easy maybe to beat. I could look easy to beat on on the on the YouTube. In real life, when you step in the ring, you see it, it's it's quite difficult. You know, everybody that's tried so far has failed, um, and yeah. So we just want to keep it like that and wait until the right. You know, these opportunities are put in front of us, and we just jump straight back in. So we'll see how that turns out. So if the, if there's there's one fight they're looking at at the minute, if that get made, if that gets made, it will be really good. It'll be really good. The fans, the five fans, will be really happy, and. Um, as I do normally, I'll go for um, a fight people with winning records. So, you know, it'll be a fight, 100%. Your WBA number three, so that seems the most probable route to a world title. They've got, by the looks of it, four fighters with different versions of their world title at the moment, if you include the gold belt and the interim belt as well. Is there one in particular you want in terms of the title or the opponent? I want to, you know, I never really thought of this, but I want a world title. You know, uh, of course, the the super sounds, you know, a bit more appealing. Love the the WBC, IBF, all of them. You know, um, I don't really mind as long as it's a world title. That's what that's what I want for now, and then we'll worry about you know unifying and and maybe going for specific belts for for my like personal desire. So. I don't mind. I just I just want to get that world title and start to move on and and kind of plan what I want to do in my next phase of my career where I want to unify and move up to heavyweight or whatever. 
And another British cruiserweight who was supposed to have a world title shot this week is, of course, Lawrence Okoli, um against Christoph Glavotsky, who unfortunately fell victim to COVID and is out of their um, projected fight for the Joshua undercard. Eddie Hearn said in an interview recently, um, top 10 cruiserweights slide into my DMs. He's got a top 10 cruiserweight in his stable, promotional stable already. So no DMs necessary, surely. Have you been approached? Yeah, I have been approached. So they offered a fight um, for for next week. But, you know, it's quite ridiculous. You know, never been Slight, slightly short notice. Preparation to... Pardon? Slightly short notice. <laughs> yeah, just slightly short notice. Um, I, I made a tweet. You know, I said, listen, give me six weeks. I'll smoke this guy like a Cuban cigar. And I, I really meant it. And But I'm not, I won't disrespect my opponent to take it in a week's time. You know, even though I know I can, I can be. You know, this is a this is a real game. This is a, ain't a, a fairy tale. And for me to to really give myself the best chance, I have to make sure that I prepare. At least give me three weeks, three weeks and a half, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, yeah, it wasn't ideal. Was it hard though to turn it down? Because although with your sensible head on, you know, a week's notice is is ridiculous for someone of this stature. The flip side is, I bet the money was excellent. And it's a chance at a world title, which you've wanted for a while. Yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's a chance at a world title. I dream about every night and, you know, getting the opportunity. It's like flipping Christmas come early. early. So, you know, it's like uh, Danda, Danda Santa, Danda yeah, Claus yeah. was in the DMs early. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some presents. Uh, no one understand <laughs> it if Claus. I change it back. <laughs> so it's... You know, it's it's kind of tough. But I, I just thought, you know what? I put everything in perspective. Like I am, I would love to just, just jump in there and take a fight. And to be honest, I actually get, had to get persuaded not to take a fight. Not to take that type of fight with that short notice is actually stupid. But that's the difference. You know, that's why it's important to have um, advisors around you, good advisors, and to, to kind of... Um, yeah, help you to make good decisions and to kind of see everything with um, see things from a bigger picture. You know, you know, see the bigger picture. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, um, yeah. Of course, it was definitely difficult. The biggest person I've ever received. You know, what could have received. So, um, and the world title. You know, my dream. That's the most important thing for me. You know, the person's cool, but the world title is how I cement my name. In, in the books and that's what I care about the most um, but you know I believe opportunity will come again and everybody definitely wants to see that fight between uh, me versus Okoli so we'll see we'll see in the future how everything pans out um, I think this guy Sizlayak, um, he I think he took the fight I think he's taking the fight he fought yesterday and he looks pretty decent you know he's I think it'll be entertaining for the fans. I think it'll definitely be entertaining. I, I do believe that he does lack power, even though he has he's had some, you know, probably 20 fights, 21 fights, but he hasn't really gone against anybody with proper winning records at all, you know, and he looks pretty. He has the stance, good punch selection. Um, I see him against Makabu. He lost against Makabu. Yeah. Took some some body shots and he went negative straight away. So I feel I feel like Lawrence Okoli will stop him later on in the fight if that fight 
is happening. But we'll see. I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, we're just we're just going to be patient and um, carry on working and focus on on what's next for us. Well, I appreciate the um, prediction. It saves me having to ask for it. Um, but yeah. I, do, I am going to ask you for another prediction: the British title that you relinquished. Got yeah. a former victim in Chris Billum Smith going up against the mandatory contender in Dion Juma. Who who do you fancy in that one, and, and why? I've, ooh, you know, to be honest, that's a that's a tricky one. But I do fancy um, CBS probably for a stoppage. But apparently, he's had um, he had to have a, a eye operation. Oh, right. So I don't know if anybody knows about this, but he pulled out a fight. That fight was supposed to happen on the 21st before um, Poviet can test tested positive for COVID. So he pulled out that fight. Perry had to, had to go undergo surgery for that. And, you know, if if I'm going to guess, it could be um, um, it could be a dislocated retina or some type of um, dilation to the retina, which is, <laughs> these injuries are crazy. Let's just put it that way. I do not believe like uh, you can just jump straight back into the ring after undergoing surgery after maybe two months. That's ridiculous. You'll need time to heal. Then you'll need to be tested again to see what's the extent of the injury. If it's a broken or cracked orbital, that's definitely going to need time to heal as well. And as we heard from the Anthony Gogo um, interview, he said he felt like he suffered a crack and then went into the fight and it did further damage. So... He's gonna have to be careful. I don't know the type of injury he's got, so that might be, you know, that might be um, gone through, gone through, fell through that fight. So we'll see what what else is next. But if I was, if that fight was to go on, I would say, um, yeah, CBS for a stoppage. As we're talking about eye injuries, something that I should ask you about, as everyone seems to be having their opinion canvassed on the subject, is the Daniel Dubois. Um, stoppage defeat or knockout defeat rather uh, against Joe Joyce from last week what what did you make of how the fight ended yeah you know what I feel I felt like he he did the right thing you know we don't know the what he felt in the you know we even probably a lot of people haven't experienced that type of uh, you know that type of injury in the ring especially I'm talking for boxers or some people that have fought before and you know he knows he could have felt um, a type of sharp pain or felt his eye injured somehow. And he thought, you know what, let me just take take the knee just to save myself. I think it's a very intelligent move to make. And a lot of boxing fans um, believe the same thing. The only problem is, from a fighter's perspective, that's, you know, that's forbidden. Let's just put it that way. You know, they will say, listen, take your beat. Um, me personally, come, come from my background, I couldn't do that. That's I couldn't come back home. I couldn't come back to where I live, unfortunately. So it's not in my kind of blood to just do that. I'd rather just get knocked out. If, you know what I mean? Just take the battering. Like honestly, it's uh, it's just a mindset, though. You know what I mean? I've, I, but from a, this perspective, you know, from Richard Rackpool just kind of analysing it, not in fight mode, hundred percent. Yeah, this it's a good decision. You know, look at um, Anthony Gogo. He said that he cannot, he cannot, he cannot play snooker no more. He can't f- actually look down. These muscles that um, operate the eye doesn't work. They just look straight. So 
he can't look down, he can't do kick-ups. You know, what's life like living like that? And, you know what I mean? Just to entertain people and for how much, which is what you have to consider as well. You know, it's, it's, it's serious going into the ring. And it kind of um, just made everybody realise that, you know, this, this sport is not a game. You know, you have to respect fighters that, that risk their lives and, and, and jump in the ring because ultimately that's what they're doing, you know, for everybody else's entertainment. This is a serious game for us. I remember I was in the... There's actually tons of stories, you know. Um, I remember sparring Dillian, for instance. Um, the first shot he threw was a hook and I had a headgear on and he perforated my edge on straight away, the first shot, you know. People couldn't, couldn't even imagine what that feels like. It felt, it felt like um, my air was blocked and I'm blown through my, through my nose to unblock it, but air's coming out of my, my air like it's some cartoon, so crazy. But um, thankfully, uh, my equilibrium was still intact, so I continued sparring. Um, I remember I was in a ring, I fought a journeyman, threw an overhand right, and I couldn't see. I was blurred. So I was about to press him, but I lost all sense of, of balance and um, and just my ring position. So I just had to hold off a little bit. Went to sit down in the in the corner and, and um, I just revived somehow, you know, then just stopped in the next round. So this this is this is the things that these little things that we um we go through. And it wasn't even a clean right hand. It was just more of a you know one that kind of grazes in the right place. So yeah, of course, you know, you can imagine what that must have felt like. You know, I don't blame him. Mm-hmm.